Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit subscribe, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and on YouTube every Wednesday as well. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about a really heartbreaking case. It was actually one that was recommended by a Killer Instinct listener. If you didn't know, you can always write in to either the Killer Instinct podcast, which is always linked in the description. It's just Killer Instinct podcast on Instagram. Or I also have an email where you can suggest cases as well. It's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. So those are two places where you can put in your case recommendations. Now, when I was first introduced to this case by you guys, I looked into it and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, It's very frustrating because it was very, very preventable had the proper steps been taken. Um, Just before we get started into today's case, I did want to warn those who might be triggered by this matter. We are going to be talking about some pretty severe child abuse today, and if that triggers you in any way, please click off this episode and I will see you in the next one. But if you decide to stay through it, let's jump right on into it today. So we're talking about the Crocker family, and it's important to understand who the Crocker family consists of. So we're going to look at that timeline right now. So the Crocker family consists of two children, Elwin Jr., as well as his younger sister, Mary, and their father, Elwin Crocker Sr. So you have Elwin Sr. and Elwin Jr. Just moving forward for clarity purposes, because I know it can get kind of confusing. If I only say Elwin, I'm referring to the father. And if I say Elwin Jr., obviously I'm referring to the child at that point. Now, Elwin Crocker grew up being raised by his mom, Mary Alice, in Columbia, South Carolina, with his younger brother. In 1975, Elwin's mother remarried a man named Larry McCoy, and in this family of four, Larry was definitely not a positive influence for either of the boys. Elwin grew up being beaten with paddles and belts by Larry and would also watch as Larry inflicted similar abuse on his younger brother as well. On one occasion, Larry even hung Elwin upside down wearing nothing but his underwear from a tree in their yard. Now, social services did end up getting involved with this family after Elwin had gone to school with a black eye and a busted up nose, and Larry was taken to court over this, and he admitted that he had beaten Elwin, and he was ordered by a judge to start attending counseling. However, he never ended up going. Now, the marriage between Mary Alice and Larry didn't last too long as they ended their marriage in 1986. And it was around this time that a family member of Elwin's recalls that this is really when Elwin started going down a downward spiral, and he actually referred to Elwin as evil. And he used the trauma that he endured from Larry and would take that and inflict it on others. And typically that was just, you know, classmates at school, his younger brother. 
He found a lot of joy in tormenting people from a young age. Now, I do want to point out that I wasn't able to find the name of Elwin Jr. and Mary's biological mother, so I wasn't able to find that. However, what we do know is that after that relationship had ended, Elwin ended up moving on to a different relationship with a woman named Rebecca Self, and together, the two of them had another child named James on November 1st, 2007. So this would be Elwin's third child. He had Elwin Jr., Mary, and now James. And something to note about James is he also had cerebral palsy. And after James was born, Rebecca, Elwin, and the three children ended up moving in together in a town called South Congregee, which is in South Carolina. Elwin had custody of the other two children, full custody, and according to Rebecca, they were a very happy and normal family of five for the most part. However, that did not last long. On April 27th of 2008, Rebecca called the police after Elwin had grabbed her by her throat and pushed her up against the wall while she was holding five-month-old James. Now, when the police arrived, they noticed that Elwin also had a scratch on his head that he claimed came from Rebecca, and he was taken to the hospital. Around this time, a social worker also arrived to the house and took James away from Rebecca. And as you can imagine, this absolutely crushed her. James was only five months old at the time, and this really was, you know, even though she had Elwin Jr. and Mary, this was her only biological child. And so this was absolutely devastating for her. But Rebecca decided not to press any charges against Elwin. However, things ended up getting a little rockier when nine days later, Rebecca showed up to the South Carolina Police Department with a black eye. And she blamed this black eye on Elwin. She said that Elwin had punched her in the face. And of course, you know, given the circumstance that had happened several days prior, police were very concerned for her well-being and for her safety. However, after asking her some questions, there were some suspicions that were raised by authorities and they decided to give her a wet rag and they asked her to rub it against her eye, the eye that had allegedly been punched. And when she did that and took the rag off of her eye, authorities' suspicions were confirmed when they saw that the black eye that Rebecca had came in with was simply just black makeup. So she had faked this black eye and this really ruined her credibility with authorities. They realized that Rebecca was not someone that they could trust. You know, they wanted to help her and get her out of this seemingly dangerous situation that she was in. However, when she comes into the police station with a fake black eye, it obviously does not help her case. And not only did it not help her case, it actually worsened it completely because after this incident, Elwin was granted full custody of James. Now, how he was able to get full custody of all three of these children is absolutely beyond me once you, you know, once we get into everything else that has happened, but he did. He got full custody of Elwin Jr., of Mary, and now of James, and this was devastating to Rebecca. However, when you look at the timeline that led up to that decision, a lot of people actually agreed with it because you had this unreliable mother, which is what the police were saying at the time, and then you have Elwin which when police showed up to the home, 
They saw him with a cut on his head. And so things are really looking in Elwyn's favor, which is why a lot of people agreed that James would be best taken care of by Elwyn. Now, once Elwyn got full custody of James, him and his three children decided to move again. And this time they moved to Georgia. But Elwyn did not go alone. Like I said, he had his three kids, but he also had a new wife. So Candace and Elwyn ended up getting married. So Candace is now Candace Crocker, and this family of five decided to move to Georgia. Now, there isn't too much information out there about Candace and what her life looked like leading up to this point. However, what we do know is that she's 17 years younger than Elwyn. Now, this family of five decided to move to Effingham County, which is in Georgia, and the town itself has a population of about 10,000 people. Now, while this was all happening, Elwyn was able to get a job as a maintenance man at a local Walmart, and during the winter months, he was also able to get a job working as a mall Santa. So he would dress up as Santa Claus, he would go to the mall, take pictures with the kids, do all of that. So those were his two primary sources of income. Now, shortly after they moved to Georgia, they actually decided, Elwin and Candace did, that it would be best for their entire family, this family of five, mind you, two adults, three children, to move in with Candace's mother, a woman named Kim Wright. Kim was living in a double-wide trailer at the time on a street called Rosebud Place, which is right outside of Guyton, Georgia. Now, this is a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, 1,837-square-foot home that sits on a 1.34-acre lot. So now you have three children, as well as Candace, Elwyn, Kim, and Kim's boyfriend, a man named Roy Prater, all living in this house together. So eight people are living in a three-bedroom home, and... And Candace and Elwin liked this situation, obviously, because it was cost-effective for them. However, things went downhill very, very quickly. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, all three of Elwin's children, Elwin Jr., Mary, and James, were all attending public school once they moved into Kim's house. But shortly after they moved in, Elwin decided that it would be best to pull all three children from the school and claim that he was going to start homeschooling them. So that is really the backstory that leads us up to December 20th of 2018. You have eight adults living in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. You have all three kids being pulled from school, and things took a dark turn very quickly. 
On December 20th, 2018, the Effingham County Police received a call from someone who claimed that they feared for Mary Crocker's well-being and asked if the police could go do a welfare check on Mary. Now, the reason that anyone was concerned about Mary to begin with is because no one had seen her in months. And this was a very small town, and there were rumors spreading throughout the small town that Mary's life could be in danger. Mary was 14 at this time, and police took this call very seriously, and they decided to head over to Kim's house where Elwyn and all of his children were living to see what was going on. Now, this was actually not the first time that police had been to Kim's house. They had been there several times before. They were very familiar with her, and the reason they were familiar with them was because there had been multiple domestic disturbance instances that took place at the house, as well as neighbors who had complained about Kim's dogs. So police were fairly familiar with this house. And when police arrived to the home, they knocked on the door and Elwyn answered. They asked him where Mary was and Elwyn told police that Mary was out of town and that she was visiting her biological mother in South Carolina. But this is when the unthinkable happened. Police started asking Elwyn some more questions. You know, they weren't fully convinced that Mary just conveniently was out of town at the time. They thought it was very coincidental. And also Elwyn couldn't give them any proof that that was the case. There was no confirmation text messages. You know, this is 2018, you know, it's not like we're talking about 1950s here. Like this is a time where technology is very present. You know, he could have shown a plane ticket, a confirmation text, a confirmation email to prove that Mary was where he was saying that she was. However, he had none of that. It was at this point where Elwin knew that the gig was up. He knew that he was caught and you might be sitting there asking, what was he caught for? Well, after he had been questioned by police at Kim's home, he asked police to follow him to the backyard of the house. And that is where he confessed to police that he had buried Mary in the backyard of his home. Now, as you can imagine, police were completely floored. This was not something that they were expecting. I don't think that this is something that anyone ever expects. And they also weren't expecting Elwin to just come out and confess so quickly. It's not like they interrogated him for eight hours in an interrogation room and he finally cracked. He was actually very quick to confess to police what he had done. So police at this point, obviously they start digging. They start digging where Elwin says that Mary was buried, but it didn't stop there. Not only did police find Mary's body buried in the backyard, they also found her older brother, Elwin Jr.'s body as well. And Elwin Jr. had actually not been seen since 2016. So let's unpack that for a second. Elwin Jr. had not been seen for two years. Two years he was missing and no one reported him missing. No one raised any suspicions about it. No one questioned it. He went two years before he was found. However, there was an instance where a neighbor had actually asked Mary at the time when she was still alive, so somewhere between that two-year time period, 
where Elwin Jr. was at that point, and she responded to this neighbor and told him that Elwin Jr. was just off with his biological mother in South Carolina visiting her at that time. So basically the same exact story that Elwin had gave police when they had asked about Mary. Now, in regards to the placement of where their bodies were in the backyard, both of them were buried next to a dog pen. I wasn't able to find out who was who, but I do know that one of them, either Elwin Jr. or Mary, was buried four feet under the ground and the other was buried six feet under the ground. Now, after conducting an autopsy report, they were able to conclude that both Elwin Jr. and Mary had died when they were 14 years old. Now, if you're sitting here wondering where James, the 11-year-old boy was, he was actually at the house when police discovered the remains of the other two children. Police found him inside of the house laying on the floor of the master bathroom wrapped up in a blanket. So now that police had the bodies of both Elwin Jr. and Mary, they now needed to figure out what on earth was going on in this house that led to this. Now, I do want to mention before we get into this, the cause of death for both of these children has not been released yet. This case is going to court in early 2023. So we don't know exactly as of right now what their actual cause of death was. However, when this case goes to trial, it's possible that that information will be made public. But regardless of that, police were able to figure out what was going on in that house. And a lot of the information that they learned about what had happened to Elwin Jr. and Mary actually came from James. James was really the missing link in all of this for police because he was a witness to all of this. And luckily police got there before he probably would have been their third victim. Now, like I mentioned earlier, all three kids were pulled out of school and they told their public schools that they were going to homeschool them once they moved in with Kim and Roy. Now, as you can imagine, that did not happen. Because while Elwin was claiming to the school system that he was going to homeschool his children, he really just used that as an excuse to take more time to torture both of his children. Elwin actually admitted to police that he kept a dog kennel in the kitchen of his home where he would often stick Mary in without wearing any clothes. He would also zip tie her hands and ankles so that she would not be able to get out of the crate. Now, as a result of spending so much time in that kennel, Mary's body actually became very, very stiff. So because of that, Elwin and the other adults would then proceed to duct tape Mary to a ladder. That way she would straighten out her posture. While she was trapped inside of the kennel, she would also be sprayed with water as her way of showering. Mary was tased multiple times and was starved by all of the adults in that trailer. And she was also beaten if she ever tried to steal food. Now, even the food that she was given, which Elwin admitted to police that he only fed her on special occasions, the food that he would give her, all of the adults would drown it in rice vinegar. That way it became this very off-putting gray color and it was absolutely horrific and almost inedible. However, that's the food that they would give her. And James, the 11-year-old boy at the time, even remembers a moment where his dad and Candace had instructed him to tase and beat Mary. 
Neighbors also remember seeing Mary doing yard work for hours on end to the point of exhaustion. They said that her hands were red and raw and that she had some marks and cuts on her body. However, the neighbors weren't thinking that much at that point because I think realistically, like I think we could all sit here and be like, well, why wouldn't you say something? Why wouldn't you do something? And that's the frustrating part of this case. But I think a lot of times, a lot of people like to kind of live in the belief that this kind of stuff doesn't happen and that this is not something that would happen, especially in their community with their neighbors. You know, they know these people, they don't want to believe anything bad about them. So the thought that something this sinister could have been happening inside of this home was not something that the neighbors first thought of. Now, even though we don't know as many details yet about the abuse that Elwin Jr. was receiving, we know that it was equally as brutal and horrific. There were multiple instances where he was beaten with a belt for hours on end and forced to remove his pants so that each adult that was living in that house, remember that's Elwin, Candace, Candace's mother, Kim, her boyfriend, Roy, and another person that we're going to get to in a moment, a man named Tony, all of them would take turns abusing and beating Elwin Jr., Elwin Jr. was also forced to sleep in a bathtub anytime any of the adults thought that he was being bad or exhibiting bad behavior, which in their book was pretty much all the time. So as I just mentioned, there was a man named Tony, and Tony was actually Candace's brother, and Tony ended up moving into this home as well. So like I've mentioned, I keep saying it, you know, five adults, three children, you have eight people living in this house. Now, after everyone in this house was arrested, all of the adults were arrested, as you can imagine. Now, once this happened, Tony insisted to police that he had no idea that there was any abuse going on in the home. And weirdly enough, Tony was actually part of the reason that Elwin and the rest of the adults got caught because Tony remembered overhearing a conversation between Candace and Elwin. The two of them were arguing one night and this was after Mary had already died. And the two of them were arguing one night and they were discussing killing James. And according to Tony, he said that they claimed that they were going to kill him, quote unquote, just like Mary. And after overhearing that discussion, Tony said that he became worried and he said it all kind of started to piece together to him what was actually happening. So he decided to call his aunt and his aunt was actually the one to make the original 911 phone call that I had mentioned earlier on December 20th, which led police to the bodies of Mary and Elwin Jr. So Tony overhears this between Candace and Elwin. He then calls his aunt and his aunt calls the police. So that's kind of how the grapevine worked there. And when police asked Tony where he thought the kids went, where he thought Elwin Jr. was, where he thought Mary was, he just claimed that Elwin had told them that the two kids were off visiting their biological mother. He really didn't think much of it. Now, Tony's credibility about not knowing that there was any abuse going on in the home goes out the window for multiple reasons. The first one being he lived in a house where there was a dog crate in the kitchen where one of the children, at least one of the children, was kept in there for hours on end. That, in my opinion, is where his credibility goes completely out the window. However, 
It also brings us back to 2012, when CPS had been notified after someone had seen Elwin Jr. at a Goodwill store with marks all across his face. He had cuts and bruises all across his face. And social services went over to Elwin's house, and that is when they spoke to Kim, Candace and Tony's mother. And at that time is when Kim told police that Tony was the one who had beaten Elwin Jr. But she also tried to justify it. She said that it was okay that he did what he did because Elwin had given all the adults in the house permission to discipline all the children. Now, Tony was actually arrested for this, but no charges were filed and he was released, but ordered by police to stay away from Elwin Jr. and Mary. Now, ultimately, this did not last long as we know because he ended up moving back into Kim's house, which is just where the abuse continued. Now, like I mentioned earlier, as far as the cause of death for both children, that has remained undisclosed to the public. However, the information that we do know, like I said, a lot of it came from James and a lot of it came from Elwin. Pretty much everyone else was denying everything. And Elwin claimed when he was arrested that night that he killed both of his children because Candace and Kim wanted him to. So this case has really become one big giant he said, she said at this moment. You have all these five adults pointing fingers at each other, claiming they didn't know one thing, but they did know another, and they weren't responsible, but this person was, and it's all one big blame game. However, in regards to December 20th of 2018, police have said, quote, after some discussion with Mr. Crocker, Mr. Crocker advised us that Mary was in fact deceased and that she was buried in the backyard. Police also asked him about Elwin Crocker Jr., and he then at that time advised investigators that he was also buried in the backyard. End quote. Now, at the time that he was arrested, Elwin was definitely trying to play the part of he was just following along and he was just doing as he was told. And, you know, Candace and Kim were the one that were responsible for all of this. However, when looking through Elwin's phone, police found multiple pictures that he had taken of Mary, where she was naked and clearly malnourished, standing in front of the crate and also pictures of her inside of it. On January 29th, 2019, Elwin, Candace, Kimberly, Tony, and Kim's boyfriend, Roy, were all charged with felony murder as well as child cruelty. In February of 2020, the prosecutors filed notice that they intend to seek the death penalty for everyone except for Kim's boyfriend, Roy Prater. Then, on October 30th, 2020, Candace and Roy pled guilty to murder, which basically took the death penalty off the table for them because as of right now, Candace is facing life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, both Roy and Candace have agreed to testify against the other three. So to testify against Elwin, Kim, and Tony in this case, which is going to trial in early 2023. And as of right now, the next court hearing is set for January 26th and January 27th. So that is the case of the Crocker family. And I will say, you guys, I know this was a shorter case and I know it's a lot to keep up with. I know there's a lot of moving parts and there's also not too much information. We don't have the cause of death. We don't have all of the details. But when I came across this case, I truly could not not share it with you guys. I needed 
to get this case out there. That way we can all start following it when this case goes to trial in early 2023. It's going to be very interesting to hear what Candace and Roy testify to and to hear the details that they describe. So I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. Let me know if you're going to follow it like I do. But with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly every Wednesday on YouTube and on the podcast, and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new one. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys. Bye guys.